More and more people are trading podcast promos or in some cases paying for a podcaster to play their promo on their show. And you've heard the old saying, a picture paints a thousand words. And I'm like, you know what? Let's back up on that. A good picture paints a thousand words. And likewise, if you're going to be putting marketing material in front of people, if you want them to come listen to your show, it better be really good at getting people to come listen to your show. So I listened to a show called The Voice Inside My Head from my buddy Neil Headley, which enticed me to buy his Copywriting 101 course. I'll talk more about that a little later. And uh, it's good. It got me to think a lot. And so when I thought, hmm, who would be a good person to talk about creating a good promo, the name that came up was Neil Headley. And I thought there was some sort of cookie-cutter way to make a promo. And Neil let me know, no, there isn't. So what's the secret to a good promo We're going to talk about that today, and we have a really cool Because of My Podcast story. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you face your fears, tackle the technology, and flatten that podcasting learning curve to get you on the road to podcasting success. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, you can save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And one of my favorite ways to start off this show, and if you have one of these stories, I would love to hear it. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, and you can upload or record your Because of My Podcast story. Mine is from my good buddy, Ken Blanchard. I've known him forever. And if you're a person that's like, ah, would anybody listen to me? Or maybe you were thinking you're just going to do something locally. Podcasting is a global audience. And listen to what's going on with Ken, because he now describes himself as a pop-up pastor. And speaking of that, that means I got to press this button. You guessed it. Invisible Sky Buddy Alert. Invisible Sky Buddy Alert. Beware. Hey, Dave. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Because of my podcast, I'm able to fulfill my call to ministry. The Speak Life Church podcast is a church without walls. I am essentially an at-large pop-up pastor that I've pastored about 300 people nationally. I've been able to travel to officiate Christian weddings, perform baptisms, funerals and have answered the call to help about 10 people so far who have considered suicide. Because of my podcast, the Speak Life Church podcast provides 20 to 30 minutes of the gospel without fail, pomp or circumstance. I've been faithful with it, even though I'm going through a little bit of a situation providing for my wife and family during her illness. It's been going on probably about 10 years now. Because of my podcast, I've officiated weddings on a cruise ship in Jamaica, on the beach in the Bahamas, on a sailboat in Annapolis, Maryland, in museums in Baltimore, a chapel in Richmond, and a backyard in a few places. In the spring of 2023, I'll be traveling to Missouri to baptize and to preach at a country church. You know, I started this podcast because I dislike politics. I dislike what it assumed to be church. 
and come to serve the people of God who are looking for intimacy, honesty, and knowledge about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the book we called The Bible. My messages are personal, and my phone number is given out, my email is given out, and I speak to people on a weekly basis that listen to the show. And because of my podcast, I can share stuff like this about Micah, the prophet, who prophesies during the reigns of King Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. Micah's messages were directed chiefly toward Jerusalem. His message was that evil is still present and that the enemy of God is still influencing people, church people. I draw their attention to Micah 6.8. I'm here to remind you that God wants us to love and trust him. He wants us to love each other as ourselves. And there are three things in this passage in 6.8 that I also want to highlight and lift up for you. To remember this week, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Dave, again, thank you for reminding me that I had something to share. And just in case nobody else has told you today, I love you. And it's not a damn thing you can do about it. This is Reverend Ken Blanchard of the Speak Life Church podcast. You can find me at speaklifechurch.net. Thank you, Ken. Love you too, buddy. And uh, who knew? You start a podcast, next thing you know, you're in a river in Missouri baptizing people. I think that's cool. And uh, one thing I want to make sure to mention here as I record this, it's December 17th. And really, this is good year round. It just seems to be that there is a spike because Ken has mentioned he's like talked 10 people off the ledge. And I realize the holidays are not always holly or jolly. And if you're having a hard time during the holiday season, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure what it is overseas, you can dial 988 and just get someone to talk to you and get some help because for some of us, the holidays are just brutal. They're just brutal. So 988 if you're finding yourself in a really dark place. Before we get to Neil, I do want to say again, thank you so much for everyone who has gone to schoolofpodcasting.com slash survey, S-U-R-V-E-Y 22, because I do this show for you and I want to make sure that what I'm putting on the plate is what you want to eat. So schoolofpodcasting.com slash survey 22. Now on to Neil. Here's the fun thing about Neil. I was thinking about this. How do you introduce a guy that's been a comedian? He's been in radio forever, like decades and decades. He's been on TV, is on TV. He's been on the radio. He's been a voiceover guy. He's been a stand-up comedian. He's done it all. And so I thought about that. I'm like, I believe the word a copywriter as well. He works in advertising. That's what we're here to talk about today a little bit. And the word I came up with is entertainer. And Neil reached out to me. He's been on the show before. I'll put a link to this out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 858. And he came through Akron, Ohio. We met and had some pizza. And I listened to his show, The Voice Inside My Head. Links to that again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 858. And in general, I like this guy. He makes me think. And you know, I always say, Part of being engaging is making you laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And in my case, I'm taking Neil's course right now. You'll hear us talk about that a little bit, where I'm taking his copywriting course, and his podcast makes me think. And the reason I bought his course is because of his podcast. 
I was like, wow, I didn't realize this guy had such a vast knowledge and everything he said. I was like, hmm, that's a different way of thinking about it, and I like it more. I'm going to have an episode on that in January about how do we make decisions. I've talked about this in the past. I have a new way of looking at it, and I think a clearer way of doing it because I had almost spent $1,000 that I didn't need to spend. I did spend some money this week. I actually got a Mac Mini, and I'll be talking about that in the future. But when it comes to Neil, this is a guy that has a wide range of knowledge, and he makes me think. And I love people that make me think, and we're going to hear my talk with Neil right after this. Of course, I'll have links to this at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 858, but you can find the course that I'm taking from Neil at enhancementmarketing.com. You can actually use a coupon code SOP50. That'll get you $50 off. The course is Copywriting 101. If you want to work with Neil, he's at NOP Studios. That's K-N-O-P-P studios.com. Here is my talk with Neil Headley. He does it all. The one and only Neil Headley. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me back. I uh, It's been a while, but I'm, I always have room in my schedule for Dave Jackson. Always. Every time. Anytime I text my wife and I say, hey, Dave Jackson said this or Dave Jackson said that. She's like, oh, I love Dave Jackson. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> I had some people on the show that were, they're buying ads. And I know there's things like Buzzsprout ads and there are more things popping up with ads in You've done a very good job of when I think of radio ads now, I'm like, oh, Neil Headley is the guy I want to talk to. And so if someone is thinking about this and they're like, hey, I want to record a promo and really podcast promos are not new. They've been around since 2005. They're just, they kind of go through cycles where all of a sudden they're cool and everybody's swapping promos and then they're not or whatever. And that might be because it's a bad promo. So I thought, well, let's get Neil on and talk about what makes a good ad, what makes a good promo. So where do we start? Okay. There's so many easy places to start, though. Let's start with this one, which I can basically dispense with in one line. People don't inherently hate ads. They don't hate them in podcasts. They don't hate them on the radio or TV. They don't hate the ones at the movie theater. What they hate is bad ads. And unfortunately, with the advent of AI copywriters and people who have done, it feels like 100% of their learning from sort of self-appointed internet gurus. It feels like the quality has suffered to the point where it's kind of poisoned the entire well. I was a student of, you know, a bunch of the giants who kind of made advertising what it was, the ones in the 60s and the 70s who made it cool. And one of the things that I keep falling back on was uh, from a guy named David Ogilvy, who founded in the 40s uh, what might still be the biggest advertising agency in the world, Ogilvy. It has his last name and it has, even though he died, I believe it was 25 years ago. Um, David Ogilvy said, you cannot bore your customers into buying your product. You can only interest them in it. And to me, that's the thing that most, for whatever reason, most people seem to forget when they sit down and they try to write an ad for something, whether that's an ad that's going to be in the newspaper, whether it's going to be an ad on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or where they forget that your number one job is to make people interested. So write something interesting. And for whatever reason, that 
has gone by the wayside and people are just more focused on, I got to jam all these keywords in and I got to this and in hell. No, be interesting. Give me a reason to want to pick up whatever it is that you're trying to sell. And really one of the things that you said in your podcast that kind of spurred this idea was you said people forget that ads are content. Yeah. Like, and it seems like we're all just like, you know, uh, we'll be back right after this notice. You have to sit through this before I come back to real content. And you're like, no, the, the ad shouldn't be, you know, I'm going to leave you now. It should make them stick around. 46% of the people that watch the Super Bowl, 46%, think about that. 46% of the people that watch the Super Bowl watch it for the commercials. So there's about half of the audience for whom the football game is interrupting what they came for. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, that's amazing to me. But the reason that that's happening now is because Super Bowl Sunday has become the place where you go if you want to see the best that the advertising industry has to offer because they put their best people on it. They use their biggest budgets. They use their best of everything to make sure that their commercials and their messages stick with you after the game is over. And I keep thinking to myself, it doesn't cost any more money to write a great Super Bowl Sunday commercial than it costs you to run a 30-second commercial for your junkyard that's going to run at 3 o'clock in the morning on a radio station in Akron. It costs exactly the same amount of money to write it. What the two clients, if you will, lack in that scenario is the skill to make the message resonate with you. They, when they put their best people on the Super Bowl Sunday stuff, it's the ones that can do the best job of making whatever that message is resonate and stick and be the thing that people are talking about the next morning when they can't even remember who the teams were, much less what the score was or who won the game. They're still talking weeks later about the commercial. So if, if I want to write an ad, like my knee-jerk reaction is, I want to start off with a question, you know, mm. are you a person, are you a person that, that swallows saliva in small amounts over long periods of time? <laughs> you need this product. Okay. Um, wait. And so what's, uh, okay, I'm going to stop. I have to stop you already. <laughs> and this is, this is stuff that's plucked right out of the course. If you were to be driving along and you were to hear a commercial that started with that phrase on the radio, are you a person that swallows saliva in small amounts over a long period of time? This, I, I know that the smartass in Dave Jackson, his immediate response would be to go, no, click, <laughs> and you're onto something else. Yet, so many yeah. of the gurus will tell you, oh, no, you have to start with a question because it identifies a pain point for the listener. Shut up. It does not. It doesn't identify anything for the listener. It, what it identifies is a moment where they can switch over to something else because they're thinking to themselves. Like my favorite example, and I think it's the one we use in the course. A commercial that would start with the line, are you looking for car insurance? Even if I am looking for car insurance, the smart ass part of me is going to say no and click off. And for people who aren't looking for car insurance, if, unless they're right at that very moment, actively engaged in the act of getting a quote on car insurance, right when they hear the commercial, what that opening line does is it sends them a message that says, 26 seconds are not for you. You can tune out and do something else. And so that's why if you really, if you need underline, you know, and a yellow highlighter marker need to start with a question, 
take advantage of human nature and make my brain respond whether I want to or not. Ask me instead, instead of, are you looking for car insurance? Ask me this question. How much a month do you pay for car insurance? Because even if you don't want to answer me, your brain just came up with the number and put it out in front of your face for you to see so that you can answer the question. So now that I've got your, even if it's just your subconscious's attention, subconscious's, now I can come up with a second sentence that hopefully, whether you want to or not, will continue to bring you along for that ride. Because in the first four seconds, I did what the first sentence's job of every ad is to do, whether it's in print, on a podcast, in a movie theater, wherever it is. The first sentence's job is to make you stick around for the second sentence. And that's all you want the first sentence to do. And I would assume before you even start writing the ad, you have to figure out what you want them to do. Right. Don't you have to kind of figure out what the call to action is or there doesn't always have to be a call to action. For mm-hmm. example, uh, and you're not at this as we sit down to have this conversation, you're not at this point in the course yet, although I think two or three videos from now you will be where I tell the story of a car dealer that's uh, up here was up here in the in the Toronto area where I used to live. So his place was called uh, Pine Tree Lincoln Mercury. Pine Tree Lincoln Mercury was in the north end of Toronto, directly across the street from a place called Pine View Cadillac Buick. Okay. A friend of mine who would take over the account for Pine Tree Lincoln Mercury was trying to get a hold of the guy that ran the dealership so that he could start work on his commercials. Well, he tries to call the dealership and he accidentally gets connected to the one across the street because even then the people that gave him the phone number were mixing up the two simultaneously like they were completely disposable it was easy to confuse one with the other well when he finally gets through to the people at the right dealership uh he finds out that the guy that runs it is a guy named al paladini and so right away my friend larry mckinnis who came up with this entire concept came up with the idea of let's do nothing with the radio commercials except make them remember al Al's job is to sell cars. My job as the writer was to get people to go and see Al. And so what was born was this radio campaign that was, it was no longer Pine Tree Lincoln Mercury. It was Al Paladini's Pine Tree Lincoln Mercury. Al Paladini was very prominent on the redesigned sign. And every one of the, and they did, I think it was a couple of hundred different commercials all of which featured Rick Moranis, you know, from Ghostbusters and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, blah, blah, blah. At the time, Rick Moranis was a radio announcer working in Toronto. And Rick did all these different voices. He did a voice for Al. He did a voice for Al's wife, kids, like all these different voices that just came out of Rick Moranis's head. And the only thing the commercial was designed to do was to make you remember Al's name and make you think that Al was, at least on some level, an interesting or cool or trustworthy guy. The rest of it was up to Al. Al was the one that was responsible for selling the cars. And so the first thing you got to do, it, it doesn't even require a call to action. Like I said, if, you're, if your job is to get your name remembered so that then your other advertising that you're doing gets supported by that, then you've done enough. But what too many people will do when they sit down to write their ad is they'll try to get their ad to do five or six different things, kill five or six different birds with one stone. No, 
You can't do that. It's like I hold up an example in the course of a, 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 an ad that I had one of the AI services write. Um, <laughs> I and and I I don't know. I'm I, I don't identify them by name, and I probably shouldn't because they might sue me. But what I did was I I went there. And it was the market leader in AI copywriting. At least it was at the time. I don't know if it still is. Uh, and I typed in as much information into that search box as I could about uh, Time Magazine. And then I told the AI that I wanted it to write me a witty commercial because you get it, you get to choose, you right. know, what, what tone of voice you want the ad to have. So I picked witty with all the info that, and it came back with the most dry, uninteresting piece of it was just it was garbage but it's the stuff that the ai and the company that built this ai are holding up as this right here this thing is great copywriting but we've entered this stage where because so many people are worried about seo worried about their google search rankings that ai copywriting has gotten a foothold because the ai knows how to write for the AI. You know, the AI knows how to write for what Google likes to search for. And so as the Google algorithm continues to change on a moment to moment basis, the only thing that can really keep up with all the changes is another AI. And so until people <laughs> stop obsessing over this idea of, I need to rank high on Google, I need to be in the first page of Google search results and get back to, it's actually a person that pulls the trigger on that buying decision i need to get the person interested and i need to entertain the person it's it the very first things i said to you in the course dave when you took it the very first line you heard out of me in the very first class is youtube has a skip ad button at the beginning of all the ads there is no youtube video that has a play ad again button because even youtube knows <laughs> that what you're about to see is probably crap and you probably want to fast forward through it as quickly as you can. Ultimately, what that's going to do is your listeners are used to hearing ads that aren't very good. Not the ones that you do yourself, but if someone was to pay for, like, for example, the the mental health people that run mm. the same ad on 77 different podcasts, whether like, why would you run the same ad for your mental health counseling service, the same 15 second ad? Why are you running the same ad on Joe Rogan's podcast that you're over here running on a, like a Christian fellowship podcast that you're running over here on a, I want to learn Spanish podcast that you're running over here on a fishing podcast. What are you doing? Why aren't you talking to the people that are actually listening to the show and trying to connect with them one-on-one? -on -one? You can't talk to the Rogan fans the same way that you're talking to the, I want to learn Spanish right. people. What are you doing? It's abdicating your responsibility as a writer. Is, is there any kind of, I don't know, paint by numbers or is there general practices of, of uh, you know, here here are the, the five best things you can do to, to create an ad? Because some people are like, I don't have a promo because I don't know what to say. How do you figure out what to say? Yeah, I mean, the thing that you've got to figure out probably, and I'm going through the steps in my head, it's funny because to me, it all just kind of kicks in now. I mean, like I said, I wrote, I wrote my, we're coming up on 40 years since I wrote my first commercial. And I start thinking about it in terms of know who you're talking to, 
and know what they, and that's far more than, you know, when, when you hear people talk about niching down their podcast, for example, right. uh, and there's a bunch of people who've done a bunch of great content on how to niche down and figure out who your audience is. But I've heard people still who think they've niched down because they say, well, my show is for men between the ages of 25 and 44. That's not niche down. That's what you've given me there is a very, very broad demographic. And so you could tell me that your show is about Star Wars and it fits that. You could tell me it's about the National Football League. No, you could tell me it's about the NHL's greatest uh, fights in hockey history. And it would certainly fit that demographic. But you're not going to convince me that the same people who would listen to an, a podcast about the NHL's greatest fights are also going to listen to a podcast about Star Wars. Like that Venn diagram probably has very, very little overlap. So when mm. I'm talking about niching down, like, I mean, you got to niche way down and figure out exactly who you're talking to and what need it is that you are trying to address with whatever the product or the service is that you've created. And hopefully if you're the person that's created the business, the podcast, the movie, the whatever, hopefully this was all part of your, like if you're a business owner, well, that should have been part of your business plan is figuring out who your target customer is, who is the avatar for the people that are going to come walking through the door. So if you already have all that information and you know who your customer, your ideal customer is, then you've probably gone a long way toward knowing how to talk to them. Instead of yeah. approaching your ad from a, oh, this these people are going to watch... um you know, they're going to watch a, an hour long video about the funniest thing Ryan Reynolds has ever said. OK, then give me an ad that would be interesting to a person who wants to watch an hour of Ryan Reynolds videos like talk to me. Don't talk to everybody, because by trying to talk to everybody, you talk to nobody. Um, so there's there's zeroing in, figuring out what problem your your product is going to solve. And then it's figuring out the best way to engage that person's attention. Uh, and again, it's, it's about talking to them like a person. Um, it's about mm -hmm. keeping them entertained. The, the, the trailers that they show at the movie theater, they are three minute commercials, but we don't think of them as commercials. All those things are, it's, it's a commercial to make you want to go and see a movie. Um, and so they, they drill down and they figure out, what trailers are going to be best to show with what movies? Sometimes they make that decision horribly wrong. Like if I go and I t I'm taking my kid to go and see Wreck-It Ralph, you know, I don't want to see, um, uh, I don't want to see the trailer for Scream playing while I'm sitting with my kid at Wreck-It. But most of the yeah. time it's, we're going to show this movie. So we're going to show these trailers to go along with it because they've done some work on who is the target audience for the movie that they went to see? Okay, what's another movie that we might be able to talk them into going to watch? Great. But all that trailer is, is, is it's a three-minute commercial for a movie. And they put just as much energy sometimes into getting those trailers done as they do into getting the movie done. Because it's an important piece of content. It's not just another ad to them. It's three minutes of critically important content because usually you've decided based on the trailer whether or not you want to go and see the movie. So to them, that's the trailer's everything. So we're figuring out who we're talking to. We're figuring out what the need is that they are trying to solve. 
We're trying to figure out how to keep them entertained, you know, and it's the same with a print ad. If I've shown up um, or, or something that's going to show up online, if I've shown up on Facebook, it's because I've got some time to kill. I've got some time to till doing what? Reading stuff or watching videos or whatever, but I'm, I've got time to scroll. Great. Give me something interesting to scroll through. Don't give me 30 seconds talking about how great your product is. Entertain me. Give me more of what I showed up for. That's why I, when I came up with the course, and it's a course that I taught in a brick and mortar college. It's just been adapted, you know, for online use. But I was thinking about Seth Godin, who's this marketing, I, it's Seth Godin that is the reason we talk about things going viral. Um, mm-hmm. Seth was the one that really pushed that idea forward. I know, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell that actually coined the term, but it's Seth Godin that really took it and, and pushed it out to the world. Um, his book was called Unleashing the Idea of Virus. And Unleashing the Idea of Virus came out long before YouTube was even conceived of, uh, or, or any social media platform was even a dream in somebody's head. But Seth refers to anything that is not entertaining to the audience. He calls that interruption marketing. In fact, I think that's another book that he wrote was called Interruption Marketing because you're enjoying your TV show and somebody interrupts it with a completely self-serving ad that's not really for you. It's to tell you about how great their product is. Okay, well, they interrupted you. What I'd prefer to think about and why I called the course Enhancement Marketing is I want to come up with stuff that's going to take whatever it is you're doing and either improve on it or it's going to be in the same vein as what you're already doing. So I don't take you out of it. So I'm not pulling you out of something that you're enjoying and ruining it with a sales message. I'm not going to put up a massive billboard that's going to block most of your view on your pleasant country drive that you're taking to get away from it all. If I put giant neon signs in the middle of every farmer's field, well, what I've done is I've ruined your drive because I took away all the stuff that was making the drive appealing for you by cluttering it up with my sales message. So all of these things all go together. It's, it's getting and maintaining their attention. Well, the easiest way to do that, going back to the movie thing again, um, is to entertain them. Comedy movies sell twice as many tickets as dramatic movies. It doesn't matter how mm-hmm. many, there's twice as many dramas at the movie theater, but comedy movies sell twice as many tickets. So maybe, maybe doing something funny is the way to go, which again, maybe that's fraught with danger though, because maybe you're not funny. Maybe your product isn't funny. And that then gets us down a whole other road in the conversation about what makes a good ad, what makes a bad ad is because so many people will say, don't do this because it doesn't work. Actually, maybe what it was is that the way you did it didn't work. Uh, and maybe yeah. there are flaws in your process that we can address by kind of decompiling what you did and figuring out how to make it better. Or it's, it's, you know, you put it in front of the wrong people. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I think a lot of times in our podcast description, we kind of have what I call the LinkedIn approach, which is the bullet points. And I don't know about you. I usually don't highlight the table of contents in a book. No. I, many moons ago, I worked for a company and there was, you know, you had the old sales guy that had been there forever, started the company, and he would say, don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we take those kind of dry bullet points and make them more entertaining? Well, if, but that's the thing is that if they're dry bullet points, then the problem is not with your ad. The problem is with the show. 
Like, you know, who does, mm. a, a, who, who has a really great, at least the last one I heard who does great trailers is Scott Johnson from uh, the, mm. what was that like podcast? And what yep. was that like was to put it in a nutshell, people who have had one, like once in a lifetime, unbelievable experiences, like they were trapped beneath 17 feet of snow in an avalanche and someone came to rescue them. And then Scott talks to them afterward and he's like, so, so what was that like? Um, and so when he does a, a trailer or a promo for his show, it's all about giving you just enough of the sizzle that you cannot wait for the chance to order because you're hooked. You're like, wait, you know, so instead of saying to you, well, you know, Bill Smith was trapped below 17 feet of snow in an avalanche, blah, blah, blah. No, what he'll start with is a clip of Bill saying, there was a moment where I had to decide whether or not I was going to eat my own arm. And all of a sudden, okay, wait, what? Did that guy, like, even if you're only half listening, suddenly you've just gone, wait, did that guy just say he was going to eat his arm and you've turned the volume up? You've turned the volume up on a commercial. Why? Because he came up with the first line that was interesting to you. David Ogilvy, you cannot bore your customer. You can only interest them. He just, Scott just interested you with his choice of a first line. Um, I, the, it's, it's like, it's the stuff that so many of us just seem to chalk up to wanting to come up with the process. Give me the checklist of A, B, yeah. C, D. And I don't know that there is one. You know, if you went to somebody, if you were trying to explain to a Martian um, what it's like to drive a Ferrari, probably if you grab 10 people, they would probably have 10 different descriptions. And every mm. single one of those 10 descriptions is probably right. Uh, it's which one is going to resonate with the Martian, which one is going to give them the best sense of what that's actually like. And the only way you can do that is by doing a heck of a lot of research into what pushes your Martian's buttons. What, what, you know, what things are they interested in? Why maybe are they interested in learning about driving a Ferrari in the first place? Like all of these different things that are a required part of the process. If you're going to actually be exceptional. I created a fictitious company as part of this course. And every once in a while, I'll throw out to the students little pieces of information uh, about this fictitious company, which is a tire shop, which in my mind has, I don't know, like 125 locations in 13 states or something like that. And I ask the students to come up with some advertising for it. Well, one of the students actually found a study online that talks mm -hmm. about the tire industry. Why do people buy tires? When do they buy tires? At what point in the lifespan of the rubber are they buying? How much do they spend? All this information that's out there that the tire industry has that's readily available, uh, but that most people won't go digging for. And if you do go mm -hmm. digging for it, suddenly the whole process of how to talk to a person that's about to buy tires, it becomes completely different because you suddenly learn that I think the number was, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've seen it more recently than I have. I think it's 85% of people who buy tires buy them as maintenance. And so they buy them in sets of four and they spend $139 on average per tire. Well, if I know all of that, that's a very different ad that I'm going to write 
than somebody who's going to open their ad with, hey, it's the biggest savings of the season. Come on. No, stop. (laughs) Talk to me about something that matters to me. Don't talk to me about something that matters to you because the chances that my priorities and your priorities are the same is microscopically small. And so if you're talking about what's important to you, you're not going to have me as a customer because oddly enough, I'm interested in me. (laughs) That's it. Well, you mentioned you, you wrote your, your first ad a while ago. Yeah. Do you remember how long it took you to write that? All day. If all day. So that's the other thing I think we need to, to realize this isn't something where you're like, give me a post-it note. Okay. Let's see. And you scribble out something on a pad and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's good enough. Uh, no, I mean, kind of think. It, but but that's the same conversation about, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers on this. Bob Dylan says he wrote Blowing in the Wind in 20 minutes. Uh, Leonard mm-hmm. Cohen says it took him five years to write Hallelujah. For other people, it's an art. It's a grind. It's a you don't know what it's going to be until the magic moment pops up to you. You know, Hallelujah from Leonard Cohen would have been a very different song if somebody had gone to Leonard and said, listen, I need that. I need that song done by five o'clock this afternoon. Cause I have to present <laughs> it to the client tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know, would it have been as good a song? I don't know. Actually, it, it might've been a better song for all I know, but um, it would have been different because it took five years for him to get it to a stage where he was happy with it. And that's, yeah. that's the thing about, and we go back to the Super Bowl conversation. But the thing that separates the people writing the Super Bowl commercials, it's the skill level that they've achieved by virtue of knowing what the tools need to be to get them to that end result that they want to get. And almost none of them will tell you, you know, here's the here's the checklist, just as I wouldn't be able to give you a checklist for how to write a hit song. There's no magical recipe. It's it's a case by case feeling your way through what this specific scenario is for this specific client message audience, whichever the variable is. And it's, it's like the thing that I said about the mental health company, like they buy advertising on so many different podcasts, but they use one commercial. The chances that that one commercial is working for all of those audiences microscopically small, but for some reason, somebody decided, no, that the most important thing was the checking off the done box on the to-do list rather than the give them the message that will resonate with them box, which to me is more important. How do you judge a, a promo or an ad? How do you know when it's done? For me, the favorites are the ones that they genuinely entertain me to the point where I wanted to share them. Look, how many Super Bowls ago was the Budweiser commercial where it was that bunch of guys who did nothing but weather? Yeah. You've still got people, whatever it is, 10 years later, that will make the weather reference because (laughs) even though it did nothing to sell beer, it was funny. It became part of the public consciousness. It made us laugh. It entertained us rather than being this. Could you imagine if there was a Budweiser commercial in the Super Bowl that was like, it's our lowest prices ever on Budweiser. Come in and get, you know, $3 off per cat. No, Budweiser would, if that ever became their advertising strategy. Instead, everything Budweiser and Bud Light and all those, they make it seem like they're fun. They want you to have fun. And they're then subconsciously, you're going to connect fun to Bud Light or Budweiser or whatever it is. And so when you're out having fun 
with your friends, you're going to do the fun thing and order that fun, the, the beer from that commercial that made you laugh so hard, right? That was Budweiser yeah. or Bud Light, whatever. That's, and that's <laughs> the most important thing. I think if there was one most important thing to take away is that Ogilvy line that I gave you at, at the kind of the beginning of this conversation. You cannot bore your customers into buying your product. You can only interest them in it. And I think what far too many of us do when we sit down to write a promo for our podcast or whatever it is that we're working on, we work on getting the information out, getting the important information. Oh, and goodness knows we got to get that line in there wherever you get your podcasts. One of the seven most useless <laughs> lines in advertising history, but we got to get it in there instead of coming up with, look, you've got a 30 second blank canvas here or 15 or whatever, fill it with something entertaining that at the end of it, I go, I really want to hear that. Or I really want to see that. Or I really want to check that thing out. Um, Scott from, uh, what was that? What was it like? What was that like? Uh, he's got yeah. it nailed. And there's a bunch of other people that absolutely have it nailed. But if you're going to say to me, you know, our podcast, our weekly podcast tells you interesting stories about people who've had unique experiences. No, no, it sounds, it might be an interesting show, but there's nothing interesting about your promo. It's given me a factual dissertation on what's going to be, it's, it's the list of ingredients on the back That's panel <laughs> instead of the colorful cartoon character on the front and the colorful, you know, it's, it's, so it's Captain Crunch. Which side do they have facing out for the kids in, in the cereal section at the grocery store? Do they have the panel of ingredients facing out? No. They show you the captain and all the captain's friends. And it's captain. It's not captain. It's cap apostrophe oh. N. Because he's the fun guy that looks like he's having fun with this cereal. So don't give me for your podcast. Don't give me the ingredients list. Show me what Captain Crunch would do with it. Tell me that. Tell me the fun stuff. Give me the movie trailer minus the guy at the beginning that says in a world, give me something entertaining <laughs> that makes me want more of what you're doing right now. That's, that's maybe the best way to put it. All right. What ad are you going to show of yours? Do you have any of your own that you're like, you know what? I'm pretty proud of that one. And, and why? Okay. Uh, I'll try and boil this down into a short story, which for me would be unusual. Um, so Colgate Wisp was like the first of the disposable toothbrushes that came along. Mm -hmm. It's about the size of like one of those mini flossers, you know, the ones that come in 50 packs and then you sit there and you right. watch people that you don't really like very much flossing across their desk from you. And you think you're still, that's flossing. I don't care if you're using a floss, you're flossing, put that away. We're trying to have a conversation. So they brought out one of the first, yeah, single use disposable toothbrushes. And these were what podcasters would call host red ad. You know, they would give you a script and here, we want you to do this and it's 30 seconds or whatever. And well, what I did instead, and I play the actual audio from one of the spots in the course is I brushed my teeth live on the air while I was trying to read the commercial. And I stop and pause and talk about how tasty the built-in toothpaste is and all these kinds of things. And I'm not proud of it because it's a brilliant piece of advertising necessarily, or the the, the thing that I'm the proudest of in my broadcast career, but it checked off all the boxes. And when I say checked off all the boxes, I was the guy that said there are no boxes. Here are the boxes it checked off. It created a scenario where for that, whatever it was, 30 seconds, unless you've punched out at the gross sound of a guy brushing his teeth, 
you're kind of listening to hear where this off the rails train wreck is headed with this guy that's brushing his teeth. So I've probably got your attention. And while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm talking about the wisp and all these different things. My only job was to get it so that if you even entertained the idea of needing a disposable toothbrush, which I did, by the way, with the very first line of the spot, because what I did is I invited everybody listening to cup their hand over their mouth and go, and I pointed out that you cannot smell your own breath because your nose starts to make you immune to your own you know, stench, right. if you will. And so I point the, I, the very first part of the spot is me pointing out that when you get to the office this morning, you might reek and you won't know because you can't smell your own breath. And so I was offering these Colgate wisps as kind of like an insurance policy. But I've put that idea in your head that maybe this is something that you need to pay attention to. So if I've convinced you at all that you need a disposable toothbrush, then you're going to walk into the drugstore and if you happen upon the disposable toothbrush aisle, my job was to make you go, oh yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Remember that guy on the idiot guy on the radio that was brushing his teeth? <laughs> and if the Colgate Wisp is already number one, then Colgate, chances are, has done their job at the retail level to make sure that, you know, they've paid the extra money to the drugstore or whatever to make sure that the Colgate right. Wisp is at eye level. Because then when you look and you'll see the wisp and you'll remember, yes, that's the one he was talking about the wisp. And so all I did was I got your attention by pointing out that you can't smell your own breath. And here's a solution. And I did it in a way that was fun and entertaining and hopefully made you laugh. And then somewhere down the road, the other side of that will drop, which is where you'll be in the toothbrush aisle and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's that thing. And if Colgate's number one and they've done their job on the back end, probably it's like Al Paladini. My job is to get you uh, into the store. Colgate's job is to make that be the one that you reached for. And so for that reason, that's one of the ones that I look back and I go, no, you know what? That sounds stupid and infantile, but it worked. You know, That's because, it. because there were people for months who would come up to me who would say, Hey, did you bring your toothbrush? You know, and, and hopefully it was for the right <laughs> reasons, not because I reached that particular day, <laughs> because they remember, but that became a funny thing that people right. tied to me was I was the idiot that brushed his teeth on live radio. So for that reason, I gave them something that entertained them, that, that stuck with them and it apparently did its job, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm a sucker for. Well, the course is Copywriting 101. You can find it at EnhancementMarketing.com. And Neil has been very nice. He created a coupon code that is SOP50 that will enable you to save $50, hence the code SOP50, on the price when you sign up. I am taking the course right now, and one of the reasons Neil is here is... If you are new to the show, if you make me think, boy, I'm your friend for life. And this has really got me like, hmm, never thought of it that way. And it's it's spurring kind of creative creativity in me. Like, hmm, I was going to do this. This was my knee jerk. But I think this is better. I'm going to try it this way. And it's uh, hopefully going to result in better kind of copywriting and things like that. Because if you can explain it better, you know, you might have a great product. 
And if you don't explain it right, then it's not your, you're not going to grab that attention that you were talking about of people to where they want to go click play. Yeah. I, and, and by the way, you saying all that, that means, that means a lot. Um, and so thank you for that. And yeah, I mean, the course is usually 249 bucks and it's a college level course. It's the same course that I taught at a brick and mortar, uh, condensed down to something like five hours of video, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll, so you'll pay 199 instead of 249. But Neil, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad to know that there is no checklist because I really thought there was, and I can quit looking for the checklist now. So yeah, the checklist is one item long. Don't suck. There you go. Don't be boring. Don't suck (laughs) and, uh, be entertaining, you know, stop serving you serve me. I'm your customer. Serve me. There you go. And in the immortal words of, of Glenn, the geek, um, don't be boring. There you go. There you go. Excellent. So thank you, kind sir. I appreciate it. Oh, always got room in my schedule for Dave Jackson. You know that. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I'll have links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 858. Neil actually has a copywriting book that I'll have a link to that. So Maybe the reason your podcast promo isn't working is A, you're putting it in front of the wrong people, or B, you're putting it in front of the right people, but you're not using the right language. You're not leaving them going, oh, I want to listen more to that. Maybe you're just listing the facts and not the benefits. And realize that entertaining doesn't always have to be about getting laughs. We mentioned Scott Johnson with what was that like? He's not like, hey, check this out. Jeff got hit by lightning. It's a blast. No, the bottom line is you want people to listen to your promo and at the end of it go, yeah, I want to hear more of that. That's really the bottom line of this. So thanks again to Neil. of links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 858. But the bottom line is it's not really going to be a one size fits all for your promo. If you are a person that's a little nervous about jumping into podcasting, one of the great things about podcasting is the community. Sure, there's the School of Podcasting community, which has, you know, the courses, you have me coaching and everything else that comes along with it, a great place to get feedback on your show. But it's just the whole podcasting space. And the reason I bring this up, I have owned a Mac Mini for a day and a half. And on Facebook, people are like, oh, here's a hub that I'm using, it's they're not really pushy about it. They're like, hey, just so you know, this works great if you want to expand it and this and that. And you just see that through the entire podcasting space. It really is one of the most helpful communities that I've ever dealt with. It's it's really amazing the people that you're going to meet. So if you want to start a podcast again, use the link schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. That'll save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And again, I it's my favorite, one of my favorite episodes all year. Next week will be the What's My Favorite Podcast and Why. I've done this for probably six or seven years now. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I need your answer by the 23rd. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. And I am still doing my listener survey, schoolofpodcasting.com slash survey 22 will take you right there in the future. I'm going to be again, explaining how just asking two questions saved me a thousand dollars 
and really probably more than that. And anything you'd like to have me talk about on the show, I'm always open to hear. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. I'm so old, I, I ate Sergeant Crunch. So. <laughs> Corporal <had> Crunch. <laughs> Phrases that people use that are absolutely conveniently located. Conveniently located is the one that drives me around the bend. Um, because like right now, the hotel that I'm staying at is directly across, directly across the street from a grocery store. It is a 47 second walk from the front door of the hotel to the grocery store across the street. And there have been several times while I've been at this hotel that the grocery store is not conveniently located. So don't tell me that your uh, auto repair shop, which is halfway across town, is conveniently located. Because first of all, if you're an auto repair shop, chances are my car broke down. So there's nothing convenient about where you are. The way I describe it to people is, if you're an auto repair shop, unless your mechanic is positioned uh, directly under my vehicle, which is up on a hoist, he is not conveniently located. So stop throwing, you know, if I, if you're running your commercial in Cleveland and I can hear it in Akron, like, am I still going to think that your, your grocery store is conveniently located if I'm listening from 140 or whatever it is miles away? No, stop saying it. Uh, your friendly, knowledgeable staff, no, they're not. A lot of them are just part-timers who are, you know, sneaking extra time in the smoke break room when you're not looking. Like, stop it. They're, you didn't hire the, the best and the brightest necessarily. I mean, maybe you did. But phrases like that get used so much that they've come to mean nothing. The biggest sale of the year. It's not the biggest sale of the year. That's the same garbage that you told me back when you were having your Memorial Day sale. All right, so... I go to knopstudios.com. I come and I meet with you because I want you to, to help with all my marketing needs and voiceover and all the things you do. You did not just say all my marketing needs. That's another one of See, the most uh, throwaway phrases. In the, all, all your ostomy supply needs. Really? How many of those do I have? Really? <laughs> like...